church played a big part in my life. I can tell you that uh, ever since its founding. Um, thought I'd start out because this is the party church after all, fun place to get serious about God. I, I've discovered uh, this little snippet about Father's Day uh, from Elisa Deek. I don't know if you've seen it before, but um, you're going to see part of it right now. I think it's a great way to remember Father's Day. Let me say this. Let me say this. I've been thinking about this, too. Father's Day it is the worst holiday in the world. I've done the research. I already know. Let me tell you something. Mother's Day is the second most celebrated holiday in the world. Christmas is first. So it's, that means it's Jesus then your mama. You know what Father's Day fall at? Number 20. I can't think of 18 other holidays. Do you realize Halloween is number six? Does that mean ghosts and goblins go before fathers? All the day is number 13. I don't even know what that is. I just know it come before me. That's crazy. Columbus Day is number 16. Celebrating Columbus Day is like celebrating somebody finding money in your house. Where you get that $50 from? I discovered it in your kitchen. Father's Day is the worst holiday. So if there was a Father's Day in ancient Israel a couple thousand years ago, do you think that Jesus and his siblings would have celebrated their dad, Joseph? I mean, for Jesus, Joseph was an earthly stepfather, right? But since Jesus was perfect, I imagine he would have done a good job of celebrating the man who saved his life a couple of different times. And I think that Joseph must have done a pretty good job with the other kids, too, because two of Jesus's half-siblings, James and Jude, became leaders in the early church after Jesus's resurrection and ascension into heaven. I imagine that Mary and Joseph would produce some pretty awesome daughters and sons. So this morning, for Father's Day, let's, let's think about the process of Joseph becoming Jesus' earthly stepdad. Now, actually, I hadn't decided what I was going to talk about here. I knew it was Father's Day. I wasn't going to really concentrate on Father's Day. And a former scum staffer was in my office, and he goes, Mike, why don't you talk about Joseph? And I'm going, I think that's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Because... I wrote a whole Advent guide on Joseph's journey, which Ethan, Sarah's, uh, a lot of you know Ethan, grew up here, uh, illustrated. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do that. So the illustrations you're going to see uh, on the screen will be illustrations that Ethan drew as well. Okay? So think about Joseph. He's going through his life. It's kind of normal. He's grown up. He's in Nazareth. He's doing his job. 
every day, right? Meets a very cool young lady named Mary and um, gets engaged. And then suddenly he finds out he's going to be a dad. And, and, and not just any dad. He's going to be dad of the Messiah. That had to be a shock. That was a change of plans. Maybe some of you guys can relate. You weren't planning on being a dad. <laughs> and then God interrupts your life with news that you are the baby daddy. Joseph is a pretty interesting character when it comes to the Bible. He's really unique in that in in all the Gospels, he never has a speaking part. He doesn't say a word in the Bible. He's like the silent type who, who just does the right thing. I think there's a lot to be learned from Joseph's life. Actually, I think that Joseph's journey can be a template for our own journeys, whether you're a man or you're a woman, when it comes to following the Lord. Now, if you read the hero stories of the Bible, one thing becomes immediately obvious. These men and women are leading their normal lives when all of a sudden God breaks in. He interrupts their life. Abram's father dies, and all of a sudden, Abram has a visit with the Lord, and the Lord tells him, get up, I want you to leave your father's country and go to a place I'm going to show you, right? Moses is tending sheep. He's been in the backside of the desert for 40 years, minding his own business, and all of a sudden he comes across a bush that's blazing with fire, but it's not burning up. And the bush tells him, I got a journey for you to take. Even Mary is just waiting to get married to Joseph when all of a sudden an angel breaks in and tells her that she's going to be pregnant with the Messiah. Talk about an abrupt interruption of your life. And it's the same for Joseph, her fiancé. So let me give you a little preview of where we're going this week and next week. It begins, every journey begins with God's interruption of your life. All right? And then what happens is God's going to somehow provide some insight for you so that you're brave enough to cross the threshold, to take the first step, to go on that journey. As you progress on the journey, God's going to bring along provision for that journey. And it is going to protect you on that journey so you can keep going and following wherever he is leading. Finally, there's going to be a moment where God's requirement is going to be flush in your face. He's going to ask you to do something. It's a test. Will you or will you not hear him and obey him? And finally, once you've completed the journey, done 
the work that he asks you to do, there will be a reward. God's reward will happen at the end. So that's the template for where we're going this week and next week. But let's examine Joseph's journey. Remember, it's a map for our own journeys with God. All right. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. This is where God interrupts Joseph's life. Starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, back then, if you were engaged even, you had to go through a public divorce. Joseph had determined he was going to try and do it on the sly to protect Mary. He was being kind. Now here's the deal. This is true in any hero story, okay? We, we, I think some of the greatest authors in the history of the world have looked at some of these Bible characters and figured out the template for the journey God takes us all on. We'll call it the hero's journey, all right? It's the same J.R.R. Tolkien, a Catholic Christian man. He used the same kind of arc for Bilbo or for Frodo in The Hobbit first and then The Lord of the Rings second. Same thing, all right? The same thing is true with Joseph of Nazareth. So in our scripture reading, Joseph is presented with the news uh, from Mary that she is pregnant through a miracle of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can't imagine his reaction to that. Think about it. Think of how your fiancé coming up to you and telling you that she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I mean, give me a break. You know, either you are deluded or you are just lying through your teeth. Joseph is shocked. He believes that his plans to marry this virtuous young woman have suddenly crushed by her unexpected infidelity. He doesn't believe this fantastic story and he could have her publicly disgraced or even stoned, but because he's a kind man, he decides to do it all on the slide without drama. He can't marry her after this betrayal. So, this is what I like to do. Okay, let's let our imaginations run wild for a minute. Okay, like this is safe. We'll stay within the bounds of scripture, but let's just think. How might the story have unfolded if Joseph did divorce her quietly? Jesus grows up without a stepdad. Mary's branded as a unfaithful woman, never to be trusted by any other man for as long as she lives, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Think about it. What what, what might have happened to Joseph? Would he have lived with regret his entire life? Or maybe not until he saw Jesus growing up and being this awesome 
young boy. I don't know. But I think sometimes it's good to look at the scripture and to think and just play imagination. Do you think that Joseph was more afraid that Mary was lying or that she might be telling the truth? I mean, seriously. If she's telling the truth, I think it's a whole lot scarier. And what might be going on in his mind and heart is he's trying to decipher all this. Am I doing the right thing by divorcing her? Am I doing the wrong thing? What am I going to do? Joseph was simply trying to live by the law. I mean, this is what a quote-unquote righteous guy would do, divorce her quietly. Here's a question for any of you. When have you been asked to show kindness when you could have demanded your rights? When have you been asked to show kindness when you could have demanded your rights? I've been in that situation. I demanded my rights. I made life pretty difficult for that person. And I didn't have to. I could have taken it on the chin, if you know what I mean. I could have let it go. So God interrupts our lives to take us on a journey. It is seldom convenient. It is often distressing. It's usually difficult, but it's always wonderful. It's not surprising we want to turn down that kind of mission at the outset. Just like Joseph. But there's more to come. Perhaps your interruption, God's interruption of your life, isn't as big as a baby being conceived. Maybe it's a lot more insignificant. Maybe it's like a, a sudden forced move to a new city. Maybe it's a new job description or a new job. Maybe it's a surprise visit from a family member. Or somebody comes into town, a friend that you hadn't expected. And, and you tend to see, I think we tend to see these things as inconveniences. When God is trying to present them to us as adventures. There's a great quote by G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite quotes of all time. It'll be up on the screen here. An inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered. An adventure is an inconvenience rightly considered. And he wrote that in a chapter called On Running After One's Hat. <laughs> I'm thinking like, well, there you go right there. The wind takes your hat. All of a sudden it starts flying down the street and you're going after it. And you're thinking, this is an inconvenience. But you know, from God's perspective, it may be an adventure. You never know who you might meet as you're chasing after. How many movies start out this way? Right? Where there's an inconvenience and you bump into somebody that ends up changing the course of your entire life. I remember 
the first time I got this thought. Scum had been going for, gosh, more than a dozen years. I don't know. This thought crossed my mind. It said, scum doesn't need a 65-year-old senior pastor. Now I was 45 when scum started. Now I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever thought. Like, like young people need old people. That is like the basis of everything I've ever done since I was in college. When I was in college, I was a youth leader for, for high school kids just like you guys. So I let it go. Then it came back, but this time it had spurs on the end of the thought, and it stuck in my brain. Scum doesn't need a 65-year-old senior pastor. And I thought, wait a minute. I would never, ever think this on my own. Could this possibly be the Holy Spirit? And that started a transition in my heart, in my mind, that eventually led to me stepping down from scum in 2019, the day before I turned 65. I did not want to be disobedient. <laughs> I wasn't going to chance that one. So here's a couple things I want you to think about. Okay, Think about a time when your plans have been interrupted. Okay, I don't care. You can go back 50 years. Think about a time when your plans have been interrupted. Did it at the time... Well, hang on. We'll do it this way. Turn to your neighbor. Answer these questions. Think about the time when your plans have been interrupted. Did it feel like God was behind it, like God was working through it, or did it just feel like things went horribly wrong? Number two, what was your first response when your plans were interrupted? Number three, when have you ever refused to go forward with God's plan? When have you submitted to God's plan? Okay, so I'm going to take just give you just a few minutes to discuss this with one other person. Go. Okay, move on to question number two. If you haven't done that already, move on to question number two. Move on to question three. Okay, let's uh, come on back together. And let's read the next part of the story where God provides insight for Joseph. So we've interrupted Joseph's life, and now he's going to provide some insight for Joseph being able to make the right decision. Because Joseph has refused this quest at the outset. Let's make that perfectly clear. He said no. He did not believe Mary. Right? He said no. Not unlike Bilbo Baggins at the beginning of The Hobbit, who said no to this big journey with the dwarves. Right? Okay, Matthew 1, verses 20 through 24. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, 
Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, now Joseph's journey now takes him into the presence of an angel of God. All right, we could have been the angel Gabriel, same angel that appeared to Mary, we don't know. The angel meets Joseph in a dream and gives him some solid advice not to be afraid to take Mary home as his wife. So the angel becomes a messenger. Actually, it's what angel means in Greek. It's messenger. He becomes a messenger bringing insight to Joseph who is now invited into a special adventure, one that God had been planning from eternity. And the question is, would Joseph accept once he's been given the insight? And this is what happens in every hero story. Like I said, even in The Hobbit and in The Lord of the Rings, someone wiser, someone more experienced, somebody with more power comes alongside the reluctant protagonist to urge him into great Adventure. You think about Gandalf at the beginning of Lord of the Rings with Frodo, right? God knows, and a good author remembers, that we need help to see what we're capable of because we don't know. It's like a coach who tells you, you can do this, even though you think you're too tired. It's the same on our own stories. If there's a risk worth taking that God is asking us to take, the Lord is faithful to speak directly to us in prayer, or maybe he uses a passage from the Bible, or maybe he uses a friend to push you into the direction he wants you to go. I think I told you this story before, like he used less Avery in my life one time, when I had to start on a journey of forgiving someone, and I didn't want to. And Les pointed his bony finger in my face and said, You know, Mike, if you don't forgive that guy, God's not going to forgive you. And in my head I'm thinking, back off, old man. <laughs> but boy... That propelled me on that whole journey to forgive somebody and to learn something about forgiveness that I had not known before. God's insight into what makes us tick is perfect. He knows our fears, and he will help us walk through the door, past the threshold, into the journey that he wants us to take. Joseph enters the journey by taking Mary home to be his wife. And here's the deal. Every new marriage begins an adventure, right? 
Mary and I celebrated 45 years yesterday of marriage. And uh, thank you. You're clapping for the Lord because he is the only reason that we are still together. <laughs> that was my wife right there saying it's a miracle. Okay. All right. So let's just let our imaginations play with this passage for a while. Okay. Joseph was asleep when he was provided guidance from the Lord. In what areas of your life do you think you might be asleep? Right now. Where the Lord may provide some guidance. Interesting question, don't you think? Do you think Joseph was relieved when he woke up? Or could he have been even more afraid? I think it's the latter. I think he was more afraid. Because now, Mary's telling the truth. And he's got to go say he's sorry. That I didn't believe you. Which is a terrible way to start a marriage. But pretty typical for how the marriage goes. If you haven't learned how to say sorry to your wife yet, um, you will. And then I think, you know, what, what did Gabriel think about, if it was Gabriel, what did he think about all this? I mean, we know in 1 Peter 1.12 uh, that, that, that the angels long to look into these things, right? I imagine it's like a front row seat in the theater. He's going, what's going to happen? What's he going to say? What's he going to do? If he doesn't do what's going to happen? The Lord is, I mean, how could he turn down the Lord? But he guess he could. I mean, it had to be exciting. Now, um, after I got this, you know, thought in my head, that scum doesn't use 65-year-old senior pastor, I, 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 you know, I talked to Mary about it, obviously. But I also talked to my own pastor, a guy named Ned Baruvi. And um, in 2014, Ned told me, you need to go on sabbatical. And you can't just be any old sabbatical. You need six months. You've been with SCUM for 14 years. You need six months. I'm going to talk to the SCUM Council. I'm going to tell them to give you six months because you need it because you got to figure some things out. you got to hear from the Lord. And he goes, and I'll kind of guide you through it. And I'm thinking, well, okay. You see, he was somebody who came alongside of me who the Lord had provided to give me some insight into my situation. I think I read, I read a book about hearing from God. It was by Dallas Willard, really good book. I remember uh, going to some prayer uh, exercises at the church that was in the close to our house and in England, and um, you know, hearing from God. And I'm sitting there, you know, they would get really quiet. This, this pastor, this lady would even put, she would put a CD on, which was a CD of silence. It started with, it started with the bell, bing, and then it would go like so many minutes, and then it would go bing. <laughs> that was the cue to start praying and to stop. 
And I'm going, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to connect with the Lord and just, you know, and I'm listening to the pipes rattle or there's some woman outside in the sidewalk disciplining her child. Um, you know, there's, you know, all these, there's grumblings, even my own stomach. And I'm listening and I'm going like, I cannot concentrate Lord on you. Like you got to help me with this. But all I'm saying is I got insight into my journey. I had to really listen to the Lord and see how he wanted to do this. And frankly, I came back from that sabbatical and I knew that it was time to begin the transition process. So it was like a three, three and a half year process that led me out of the scum of the earth church. So I got some questions and this is how we're going to end. Uh, turn to your neighbor and uh, I want Number one, look back on your life. When has God provided insight for your journey, and how did he bring it? Was it via prayer, via the scriptures, a wise messenger? Two, when have you realized that you become part of a larger story which God was writing? When did you realize this wasn't just about an interruption, that God was doing something bigger? And what fears did you have to overcome in order to propel yourself on that journey? And number three, is there a threshold that God is asking you to cross right now? Okay, go ahead and talk with one other person.